0: Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. On behalf of Pastors David and Nicole Binion, thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church. Now, let's listen to today's message. Prophecy shifts your thinking. Prophecy is mostly about perspective. It's mostly about, in fact, when you see the way God creates the earth, before he proclaims anything, he comes into proximity, and then he creates perspective. So do, do me a favor and turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, and I'm, not, I'm only going to share with you a little bit, but I want to start with a, a kind of a, um, perspective that I had today for you guys, very practical. How many of you ha- are holding a phone in your hands? Of course, you're all looking in your Bible, and that's your Bible's on the phone. Everybody knows that. <laughs> I got a new phone recently, and um, I was very frustrated because it took a long time for all of my apps to update. <laughs> Do you ever look down at your phone and don't and you go into the app store and it says like 1,000 and I'm like 1,000 what 1,000 apps <laughs> that I haven't updated and And I felt like the Lord was saying, some of you are frustrated because you feel like you're getting a promotion, but you also feel like you're in a delay. And I felt like the Lord was just saying simply, it's because I got to update all your apps at the same time. You're getting an upgrade. Turn to someone and say, you're getting an upgrade. But first you need an update. You got to get an update before you can get an upgrade, and sometimes the wheels spinning, going, "What is going on? God's doing nothing." No, He's updating things on the inside so He can upgrade things on the outside. Anybody feel that way? And so I say, Lord, go ahead and do it because I don't want to get to my destiny and not look like you. That's what Moses said. If your presence doesn't go with me, don't send me up from this place. The presence is the face. By the way he said if your face doesn't go with me then don't send me up from this place because if i get there and i don't look like you it's not worth it at all it's all about the face and if we go back to the beginning here's what it says in genesis chapter 1 verses 1 through 3 it says in the beginning everybody say in the beginning so this is where it all starts this is everything that god planned in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face. Everybody say the face. The face of the deep, Panaim. It's the first time it's used in the Bible. Panaim, face, presence. Same thing that has to do with the presence of God, the face of God, the bread of his Panaim, the bread of his face, the bread of his presence. So the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face. Everybody say the face the face of the waters and God said let there be light and there was light so here's what we see from the beginning God's face coming over the face of darkness God's face coming over the face of emptiness God's face coming over the face of chaos and today we can see that darkness has a face in the earth dark the earth still has a face of darkness what's God's solution to get the church to look like him and come face to face with the culture and until the personal sanctification becomes a societal sanctification. We talk about transformation all the time, but transformation starts with you, starts with me. You want to transform the mountains of culture, transform the mountains and the rocks in your head. That's all I'm saying is, I need to look like him, so what's around me looks like him. Does anybody say amen or ouch? So so this is the heart of prophecy. He's he's getting ready to bring transformation. And what does he do? He creates proximity. And the story of this, this action is, is really the story of the gospel. This is the gospel right here. That God's trying to get his face into the earth to make the earth look like him. And so what does he do? He gets dirt and dust, chaos, darkness, and emptiness. He comes face to face with dirt and dust and goes when I put my spirit into dirt it looks like me it's all the whole story of the gospel and then man in Genesis 3 it says when man sinned he turned away from the presence of God from the presence of God the word presence means so sin caused man to turn his face away from the face of God so man couldn't look like God anymore this is the story of creation. This is what prophecy is, is coming face-to-face with what God looks like, and you start to look like God. Your prophetic word isn't about you doing something great. It's about becoming who God created you to be in Christ. It's about to It drives you face-to-face with him. The reason that Jesus had to come is why? Because people had to see the face of God remember what Jesus said he said if you've seen me you've seen my I look like I came to show you what God looks like on humanity he came to restore the face of God back to we need humanity to look like the face of God again we need the church to start to look like God instead of reflecting the anger of culture let's reflect the image of God Instead of reflecting the, the, the accusation and finger point of, of culture, let's reflect the face of God. That's what I love about the church that values the presence because the presence is face to face. But yet how is darkness and chaos and emptiness transformed? by sitting with the face of God by sitting with the face of God so how does God transform me he says let there be light everybody say let there be light and if you you studied it and you it's not no, unique to me but this is just actually a command phrase actually two words light be say light be and actually it's a command light so what what is god saying is he saying let there be light is he giving permission to the light is he asking the light no he's actually saying light in me be in darkness light in me be in chaos light in me be in emptiness and so what is the essence and the power of god the his words begin to create transformation and paul understands this in colossians chapter one because he says this phrase christ in you is the christ in Me is the hope of glory. Say Christ in me. So Christ in me is the hope of glory. Glory is the manifestation of the image, the likeness of God, the substance, the reputation. So Christ in me is the hope that the substance, the reputation of God will be manifest. It's the hope of glory. So, so I have something in me that needs to come out of me. And when it does, it is the manifestation of God's reputation, his substance, his glory. Does that make sense? So when I lay hands on the sick, I'm not just praying. I'm actually releasing Christ in me to be the hope of healing. When I'm prophesying, I'm not just giving the mind of Christ. I'm actually releasing Christ in me that can transform you into what you want to be. Christ in me is the hope of glory. But Paul says this, the verse right before this in Colossians 1, he says, There's a mystery hidden since the foundation of the world. Christ in you is the hope of glory. What is he saying? You are a new creation. You're a new breed. You are the image of God in the earth. And God showed you what your purpose was from the beginning the mystery is hidden at the foundation of the world what's the mystery light in me be and now where's the light jesus the word became flesh and the flesh dwelt. and the and the word became the light of the world so when your word your prophetic word becomes flesh it becomes the hope of glory and it's light to the world this isn't just about what you're gonna do but what you're gonna release out of you because you're saying when your word is fulfilled you're saying light in me be light in me be light in me be light in me be this this is so much better than I need another word 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 and we've actually Oh, be careful, bishop. Sorry. Despise not prophesying doesn't just mean ignore it. A lot of times we accuse people well, you don't have prophecy in your church, you despise prophecy. Sometimes we, as charismatics, can treat prophecy contemptuously when we don't realize the power of what we're giving. I believe you can say if you don't steward well what God has given you, you're treating what God's given you contemptuously. You're taking lightly prophetic words. That's why some of you say, I got that word 3 years ago. I got that I've gone to places, churches where the like, people go, you gave me that same word 3 years ago. Do you remember? I'm like, I'm sorry. I meet a lot of people I don't remember. But if I gave you that word three years ago, my next word is why? (laughs) What are you doing? Like, so like, (laughs) please don't hear me be critical here. This is my heart as a steward of God's words. Don't just be hearers. Be doers. Be doers. And how do we do it? Okay. Um, there's some, a little, little thing that happened a few years ago called a shutdown, right? And <clears throat> I wasn't expecting it, you know. I, 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 I wasn't one of those people that predicted it. Oh, yeah, there was no people. But, <laughs> I mean, they, they said they did afterwards, but come on. Let's, let's just be honest. Like, okay, it's okay. Oh, we missed that one. It's all right. Um, you know why I think sometimes is because you may not have predicted it, but you prepared for it. You may not have expected it, but you were ready for it if you were walking with Him. And one of the things that I got ready for is, is in the end of 2019, I decided to take a room in my house and turn it into a prayer room. And, and I, not because I, I was really spiritual, it's just I wanted a place to be alone a little bit. <laughs> if you call it a prayer room, you could just feel, people, I'm praying, leave me alone. <laughs> So, noise-canceling headphones work, too, and on an airplane, if you're, if they're like, you're not just praying, but, you know, I have friends that are evangelists that get on airplanes, they're like, I can't, I love it. When that door closes, 300 people are trapped with me, and I get to give them all a word, and I'm like, I love it. When that door closes, I put my noise-canceling headphones on, it's just me and the Holy Spirit, hallelujah, introvert, introverts unite, you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> so... When 2020 happened, I, I found myself in my prayer room quite a bit. And, and, I, and I, I want to tell you, it was because I was spiritual, I was powerful, praying prophetic prayers or, or declaring things. Actually, I wasn't. I was just praying in the spirit quite a bit. And the reason I was praying in the spirit is because Paul said, when you don't know how to pray, pray in the Which tells you that sometimes you don't know how to pray. Why did God give you, how how many people have a heavenly prayer language? Okay, you know why? Because you're stupid. (laughs) Because sometimes you don't know how to pray, sorry. He's saying, because sometimes you're gonna pray stupid stuff, I'm gonna give you the spirit so you pray spiritual stuff. It's better (laughs) to pray stuff you don't understand than stuff you shouldn't. Like, oh God, kill them, or God, let the eagles beat the cowboys. Sorry, I don't mean to throw that in there. But I'm just saying, I don't know how to pray sometimes. When you don't know how to pray, the Spirit prays through you. And He's praying for you. You don't know that sometimes God needs you to pray for yourself. I spent a lot of hours praying in the Spirit. I thought I was praying for other people or for the world, but I was actually praying for myself. Because just a few months later, I was out riding a motorcycle. It was a hobby that I had. It was relaxing. And there was a curve that I didn't expect in the road becomes a metaphor sometimes you're going along pretty good and then there's a curve you didn't expect I didn't navigate it well I don't remember why but I know I woke up in the hospital a few hours later and I heard a voice behind me not an angel but a nurse in the trauma room and she was saying sir sir where are you from what country are you from and I woke up from whatever I was in and I said, I'm from here. Why? She said, because you've been talking out loud in a language we've never heard for 10 minutes. And I think they had given me some medicine, you know, maybe a shot of epinephrine or something to wake me up. Because I immediately became evangelistic. And I said, oh, that's my heavenly prayer language. I'm a born again Christian. <laughs> and I don't even talk like that when I'm preaching most of the times. <laughs> so, so the room got pretty quiet. And um, I didn't preach the gospel because I actually heard the doctor say, um, let's check him for a brain injury. So <laughs> the next thing they said is, we're going to keep you overnight for observation. You might have a brain injury. And I wasn't sure if that was speaking in tongues or because I started to preach in the trauma room. But they did take me upstairs, and they found out I, had, I did have a concussion. But I also had uh, five cracked ribs, a, a punctured lung. And, uh, but I was feeling pretty good because they gave me drugs. So... <laughs> Apparently, I become an evangelist if you give me a stimulant. And so I'm not advocating it. I'm just saying. So I'm in my, in my room, and the, the floor nurse, they took me to the seventh floor. The floor nurse comes in with her computer to take my information. And she um, starts asking me questions. And her voice sounds familiar, so I, I say to her, Your voice sounds really familiar are you one of the nurses that was downstairs in the trauma room she said yes sir i was and i said are you the nurse that asked me if i was from another country and she didn't answer she said it's okay sir people say strange things when they're on medicine Uh, to which i said i say strange things without medicine (laughs) and um she's like okay and i said no seriously i'm a christian and i believe god talks to me she said that's nice sir (laughs) And I said, no, Jesus is talking to me about you. And he's telling me you have an eight-year-old daughter. Is that true? And she said, that's very strange, sir. But yes, I do. And I said, "Um, is your eight-year-old daughter an artist? She draws cartoon characters, right? She said, who are you, sir? And I said, no, I want to tell you about Jesus. I'm on a roll. Now, I don't know if it's just because I've got some good medicine in me and I got the spirit I don't really know but I'm just going with it because I'll be honest with you this isn't a normal conversation I necessarily have with someone but I had it and I want to tell you the point I reason I say that is not to diminish me but to actually say to you that his strength is made perfect in your weakness Christ in you is not dependent on your personality on your you have to activate it you've got to love people but he will do the most amazing things through you at your weakest moment and and this has to do with the face of God in a minute and so she says sir who are you I said I want to I'm here to tell you about Jesus and Jesus is telling me this your daughter's not just an artist she's a musician she loves to play the piano and sing. And one year ago, she stopped taking, taking piano lessons because her teacher was very harsh on her. But Jesus wants you to know it's his greatest joy to hear your daughter play the piano and sing. And right there, in my room, with a brain injury, five cracked ribs, punctured lung, and a little bit of medicine, my nurse, through tears, gave her life to Jesus Christ. I wish I had more stories, but not more, nor more accidents, but, but I wish I could just emphasize to you, that's not because I wrote a book. It's not because I wrote a book. I mean, it is because I spent hours (laughs) praying for people last night, like last night, like with reaching down when I feel tired and saying, Jesus loves you. Can I give you some good news today? God looks at you and he sees something different than you see. So I'm not saying I didn't do some homework, but what I am saying is God doesn't use you on your best day better than he uses you on your worst day. Your word is still word, even on your worst day. What I realize is that that time, the time when I was in that dark, in that unknown place, in that uncertainty of the shutdown, and I was just seeking his face. I was seeking his face in the dark. The face of the earth was dark. God's face is not just found in a worship service. It's found in your darkest moment. It's found when you can't sleep at night because you have a brain injury and you haven't slept more than two hours for a year and a half. It's he when you have PTSD because of the trauma you've been through. When stuff comes up from your childhood that you thought you dealt with and you sit with God when no one else knows. When tears are flowing down your face and you're saying, God, I can't feel you. I can't see you. I can't hear you. And he's like, I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm right here. The face of God isn't found in the spotlight. The face of God is found in the dark. And the Father who sees in secret, the Father who sees in secret, the Father who sees you in the darkness, sees you through the tears of trauma, sees you through the pain of punishment, sees you through the disappointment and the delays of your life. The Father who sees in secret, He rewards you in public. And you get up here and people are like, wow, He's got a good word." She's got a great voice. She's... That's because I practice singing in silence. It's because I practice praying when it was painful. I didn't do it perfectly. Sometimes I complained. Sometimes I wanted to even shake my finger at God and do a Bruce Almighty moment. Smite me, almighty smiter. Sometimes I accused him like the accuser of the brethren has accused me, but thank God I sat with him and allowed him to transform me hopefully more into his image and likeness hopefully after missing that curve after sitting in the dark after having accident after seeing weakness after recovering hopefully i look more like him because that's my only goal is to look like him i Forgetting what is behind, pressing forward to what is ahead, toward the upward call. What's the upward call? To be conformed into his image and likeness. The upward call isn't to to be an important person, to influence, influence. Yes, I want to do it, but I'm not gonna do it if I don't look like him. The upward call is to know him. This is the spirit of prophecy the testimony of Jesus and the testimony of Jesus shows through your face because you know, when someone's been with Jesus, you can't Botox Jesus into your face. I wish you could. You can't inject Jesus into your face. But I can tell you, you can have crow's feet, you can have 11s, you can have whatever you got, and you can still look like Jesus. And please, please do Botox and injections if you need it. No, whatever you got, nip it, tuck it, slap it. I don't care what you got to do, but just please look like Jesus, all right? I said that for some of those women. See, ah, see, honey, the Lord wants me to go to that spa. <laughs> you know, I'm putting my head down. I'm not looking at anyone right now because I know I'm going to get myself in trouble. The <laughs> Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, the face of the deep, the face of darkness. You know, Moses, a man sinned. God said, I need some people that can represent me in the earth. And so... Out of Egypt, I called my son Israel. Out of Egypt, I called my son Israel. They're, the Israel, the Israel, his sons and daughters in the earth. We are his offspring, Peter says in, in Acts chapter 3. We're the sons and daughters of God. Out of Israel, I called my son. And he said, Moses, I, I need a people that will seek my face. Finally, and it took all the way to Exodus 33 where, when he said, yeah, if your face doesn't go with us don't send us up from this place if your presence doesn't go with us because it was all about a people that had his face but Moses is the prototype he's the he's the one that Jesus said prophet like Moses was raised up Jesus right and so Moses is on the mountain and and he's taken up into this Eden experience with God right and he's being transformed from this angry you know prophet to this shepherd and he's he's in that in-between place and we know what comes after the mountain you know what comes after the mountain is he comes back with we're going to build a house for God we're going to build a community for God he's got all the pattern of the tabernacle the furniture of the tabernacle he's got the pattern of the society he's got the financial plan the family plan he's got everything to to form a society that looks like heaven on earth he's got it it came where did it come from the mountain but look what happens on the mountain so god 's about to give him the plan, but before he has a plan, he has people he 's got to separate himself from people because there 's a crowd who 's not happy with him there 's a crowd who 's complaining there 's a crowd caught up in the spirit of the day that are that are are, are coming against Moses, and so he separates himself and he brings his committee. <laughs> Because he thinks, if I can get at least some leaders to come around me, we could do this thing. He gets his committee of elders to come and they have a meeting with God. They eat and drink with God. It's a fabulous story, Exodus 24. You got to read it, right? It's a beautiful story. But the committee then doesn't really get it. And God's like, "Mm, I need you to come away before I can give you the vision of what I called you to build. I got to get you away from the crowd and the committee. I got to get you into the cloud. So the mountain... It says, Moses is there for seven days, and to the people, it looks like fire. Fire. What's fire? It consumes. It purges. So the people are going, oh, Moses is getting his butt kicked. Finally, God sees what we've seen. The whole crowd that was saying, Moses is crazy. Moses got us out here. He's not feeding us. Moses is in the fire. The committee who was like trying to, like, well, let's see if we can do this. Let's negotiate. Maybe we build a golden calf. Blah, 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 blah. And then they're going, well, see, Moses isn't right. He's in the fire. Do you know? Sometimes when you're in the place of revelation, some people are standing back, going, "Oh, I was so right. What I said about hers right? See, what I said about him is right. Look at they're crazy. They went, they, they, they went to Dallas and they started to see what I'm saying. And then God's like, No, 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 no. Well, what looks like the fire to someone else is actually the cloud to you. And Moses spends forty days. In the cloud, full cycle. Can I tell you something? Yeah, we've been through a little fire, but just past 40 months after shutdown, after COVID, we passed through 40 months. A friend of mine was pointing that out to me a couple weeks ago. Some of you felt like everything that you built in the last season has been burned up, but actually you've been in the cloud receiving your blueprints for the next season. Thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church.